welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Ziggy Rodriguez is here, That's as always. Me. Yeah, can't get rid of you. Uh, we did get rid of Tom successfully for a couple of days. He graciously allowed us uh, to invite a guest in. Uh, we've we've had for two episodes now. This is our third, uh, and sadly, uh, well, final. We'll say that, but who knows? Uh, perpetual vows may be on the horizon. We may have to come back. Sure. Uh, but brother Dylan Perry who is a De La Salle Christian brother, uh, and he's um, uh, visiting with us and just telling us all about, A, his vocational call. That was the first episode, uh, specifically. And then we talked about his vocational call to the Christian brothers and the charism of the Christian brothers, mm-hmm. uh, sort of on an international level, and we learned a little bit more about that. Uh, but then now we want to kind of focus on what you are doing specifically, uh, uh, Brother Dylan, with where you're on, you're a school principal That's right. on the Blackfeet Reservation, mm-hmm. uh, which is in Northwest Montana. And I'm sure uh, in the audience out there, raise your hand if you've been to Blackfeet Reservation. <laughs> I'm seeing not many hands right. uh, go up. So I guess like we've talked a little bit about your own vocation, right? Mm-hmm. And I doubt that when you were like in high school at Christian Brothers High School and and they said, hey, what do you want to be in your group? It's like, I want to be a school principal on an Indian reservation. That's right. what I want to do. You, you thought that immediately. Maybe you saw some videos or mm-hmm. pictures or something that made you think, like, wow, cool, I could do something like that or whatever. I don't right. know. But how did you end up on Blackfeet Reservation? Yeah. Uh, no, you're exactly right, and thank you for having me. Um, this is, it's, very, it's a very specific thing to, uh, to want, not like, uh, not like being a firefighter or yeah, something. Yeah. It's not what I uh, – when I was a kid, I wanted to drive a garbage truck, mm-hmm. so uh, it would have been cool, though. Yeah. But you wanted to race garbage trucks. <laughs> so, um, so, no, I don't think, um, even if I did, uh, t- times think about being a, uh, a teacher, never a principal, and never, um, never, uh, never thought about going as far west as, I, as I've yeah. gotten. Um, and then beyond that, in on an Indian reservation, which exactly. is, we don't always find ourselves on. True. So there's a number of a number of pieces I think that uh, that have led to to me now working um, at, with the um, the Blackfeet people. Um, now is this. Are they part of a larger tribal network of some so, kind? Yeah, that's what's another interesting. So they're, um, the Blackfeet uh, Reservation is part. There's the Blackfoot Confederacy. Uh, it's the four. Uh, there's four bands, three of which are in, are in Alberta, Canada. Okay. Um, so most of the uh, the history and the uh, the culture are housed in. Um, at universities and things in in Canada, right? Um, and so, not only we're dealing with the people who wa- have not been removed from their land; this is still their um, their ancestral homeland. But uh, ins- rather than the reservation system, kind of now, it certainly did cause some trauma. Um, but just the Canadian border um, cut the oh cut the people yeah, didn't think about that. We're gonna draw a line here. That's right, and cut their migration patterns, and you know, for interesting. Um, in in um, so yeah, so that changed a lot. So a number of ways that um, 
that uh, that cu- culture and history have uh, have uh, impacted uh, impacted those people. Is there a lot of beauty on the land itself? My goodness, yeah, it's t- it's uh, remarkably beautiful. I drive past lots of uh, lots of bison every morning on my way there. You um, don't ride a bison. I don't <laughs> ride them. No. Um, although you know, I could easily you know if I learned to, I could probably ride a horse. Uh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> the, um, and uh, so yeah, very rural, but we're right next to Glacier National Park, which um, I would say is uh, the most beautiful national park. Wow. Um, and uh, so yeah, so we're not certainly how big a of an of area. This oh, is what right. I'm. I don't specific, but we're talking about yeah. It's, it's more than a couple of miles. It is. It's pretty big. It's one. I think it's one of the largest geographic um, re- reservations on, in the country. Um, so large property, and our school is right in the middle. Um, and um, so we we only you know, there's there's five or no so I think I think ten thousand um, members of the Blackfeet tribe, um, but we're just doing our little part uh, teaching about sixty five students at a time uh, yeah. at our little um, little school next to the parish um, that was it's only been around for about twenty years um, so um, so I think a couple things to touch on how the school ended up being there how I ended up being there. Uh, a number of things that uh, it's all relatively recent. But before you get into that, mm-hmm. there's a but there's an interesting thing about the history of this particular reservation. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I didn't know any of this until you shared this with me. And a lot of people don't realize that when the United States government started, you know, assigning reservations, creating reservations, they would actually assign religious denominations. Mm-hmm to the various reservations and yeah there was probably a government office mm-hmm. right you know where they would just it's like we're just going to make you all you're associated with this religious and, denomination and, they, and, and so they decided to say that the blackfeet would be methodist i think so is that yeah. correct and then what how did the blackfeet tribe respond at that point and so no there are some there's still a methodist presence on on the reservation but the uh, the jesuits had come were the first europeans to uh, to interact with the blackfeet um in the early 1800s um, in addition to maybe some Canadian fur trappers, and so they had been interact had been interacted with Jesuit so much so that the word for Jesuit in Blackfeet uh, or the word for Catholic in Blackfeet translated to black robe. Oh, uh, interesting. interesting. The, and so a friend of mine who's an expert in the language, you know, I wear a long black habit as well, and said I never knew why that was the word until I saw you. Um, so um, that's cool. That's a cool. Con- so they so they were like, hey, we're we already got an association exactly. with the Jesuits. So no, we're already we're, we're Catholic. Already Catholic. Yeah, yeah that's, that's um, pretty cool. And there yeah, there's a strong Catholic presence um, in the on the reservation, and a, and a pretty strong, I think. If you're a Christian, or if you're practicing Christianity, um, then you're very likely Catholic. And there's a um, a lot of um, overlap in traditional practice um, and the and Catholic practice. Um, a lot of now, ways in which they. I work would together. imagine I'm not an expert uh, on uh, the American Indian and the experience, uh, but I'm also not oblivious to mm-hmm. some bits of history and things like that. And I would imagine that the Blackfeet Reservation, like many of the different, all the varying different kinds of uh, uh, life of, of the Indian experience, you know, there's a, there's a lot of poverty, there's a lot of struggle, there's a lot of strife in those Definitely. communities. Is that is that like is that it the same is, thing yes. that's in Blackfeet? Um, uh, yeah, we have um, a lot of a high, very high uh, rates of. Um, Fentanyl use and overdose—that mm-hmm. um, I think is a carryover from some alcohol issues yeah. uh, previously. 
very high rates of suicide, um, especially among the youth. Poverty um, is that fairly uh, fairly impoverished. Yeah. Um, those that's also I think just general. It's very rural right. where we are, um, and a lot of ranchers and ranch land and that kind of thing. And so you know, kind of looks big and empty in general. Um, so. Um, I'm not sure about specific rates of, of poverty and things like that. But the point is, it's, a, it's a place of, where there's a need for ministry. Definitely a lot of trauma, and that we hold to be, um, we recently re- rewrote our, um, our mission statement, and, and working to heal the traumas, uh, we're working with our, um, our, our constituents um, to understand how to heal trauma um, and to find their own power for our students is, is really important especially as a, a ministry of the Catholic Church, to recognize and be a part of the traumas that the church itself was a part of. Um, now, we're um, in that way uh, somewhat immune from some of those things because our school is only 20 years old. Right. Um, but my community, the, the four brothers that I live with, um, are um, li- live on an old, the old uh, Jesuit uh, land that was a boarding school and um, and has some of that history um, to it that um, that we still are identified with uh, whether we you know whether our order was a part of it or not right and um, that can be problematic mm-hmm. I would imagine definitely yeah. definitely so there's a, there's a fair bit it's of a complicated history it is very a complicated history. And so our school um, was started out of the Curcio movement, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which was very big on the reservation. I think because, you know, uh, I did not. I mean, I've been involved in Curcio mm-hmm. for uh, most of my uh, adult Catholic life. And it's like, it's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Gay Calores, right? <laughs> yes. So the, um, so the folks who were really involved with Curcio, I think, in the... Uh, in the 80s, we're saying we need a school um, as part of because they were. Um, I think the uh, the Christian movement there was um, was helping to heal some of these traumas, and the pre the pastor at the time, Father Ed Kohler, um, had known our brothers from Guatemala. Now, two of the brothers that I currently the, our president the president of our school um, ministered for for a long time in Guatemala as well. Um, I don't think I'm not sure if they knew each other, but uh, so he knew our brothers from Guatemala. And um, petitioned the, uh, the the brothers of the Midwest to uh, to start a school for ten years before we finally wow. uh, was writing letters and asking, and we weren't sure that we could. Uh, we had no ministries near there. The closest school, I think, well, the it would be in the California province. We have schools in in Oregon and Washington State. Um, and but not nowhere near uh, nowhere in Montana or anything. Right. And so uh, this is kind of out of the our realm of. But he kept at. So he was persistent. Kept asking, and eventually squeaky um, wheel gets the grease. That's right. That's the way God operates. We there's many parables. <laughs> that's right. And we eventually you know went out there, and some brothers who had already had experience doing what I would consider to be um, sort of innovative and uh, work with with people on the margins who had been involved with Dorothy or with um, with Catholic worker houses and right. other ministries related Dorothy Day and things like that. Um, were sort of on the you know on the forefront of this kind of work, and so went out there at the time that we were starting elementary schools all over the country, as part of um, what we call the San Miguel movement. Um, we were brother um, San Miguel Febres Cordero, um, who that's inspired out of um, oh my gosh, 
I'm gonna I lose details, you know, when I'm talking too much. Um, but so San Miguel, which um, many people might be in Memphis are familiar with, um, De La Salle Blessed Sacrament, mm-hmm. was a um, a San Miguel school. Um, but we start all these uh, non-tuition driven schools um, in um, in impoverished areas or high needs areas that um, you know, is work, working um, their extended hours. So we have our students from 7:30 to 4:30. Um, and do a lot of work to help catch them up with, uh, with you know, academically, socially, emotionally, all kinds of things like that. Um, to let we get extra time with them, and yeah, the, but the key is that it's um, it's not tuition driven, and that we so we don't we take um, we take a small tuition, um, but it costs um, it costs about fifteen thousand dollars to educate a student, um, and. Uh, at our school, and um, we don't ask our parents nearly that much, right? Um, and so that's the model. That's how the brothers got to be in Montana. Now, how I got to be? Yeah, I was going to say because it sounds like uh, you know, it has to be some kind of work of the Lord to have gotten you mm-hmm. involved in this. So um, it has a lot also to do with the San Miguel movement. So I was. Um, I, I mentioned previously I had been working, um, I was the associate director of Lasallian Volunteers, um, which is, has now since closed, but was a volunteer program that sent college graduates uh, around the country. And so I had visited the school as a part of that ministry. I had, um, and then I also, uh, in my first year or my second year of postulancy, um, taught at San Miguel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. So I began to be interested. I basically learned to teach uh, at middle school, um, and I had nev- definitely never saw myself. And I think when I started uh, being interested in education, I was going to be a college philosophy professor. I, that's, I knew that's the level and the, the subject. They don't teach philosophy in middle school, yeah, uh, explicitly at least. Well, there's um, a certain nerdy crowd that might be excited to hear right? that there would be a f- philosophy class mm-hmm. in middle school, but... I did, eventually, I did eventually get to teach high school uh, philosophy there for a few go. years in Minneapolis, which is exciting. But um, So when I was in Minneapolis, um, which is my previous ministry, I began to discern an interest in, uh, in administration, an interest in going back and working with younger students, um, and sort of feeling you know, a, a call towards um, what we're talking about, more marginal ministries. Right especially with some of the international conversations that I've been a part of that are talking about how that's the work um, um, of, our, of our charism. And so um, the beauty of religious vows is that you got someone else looking out for you. You have superiors who are uh, helping you with this discernment. So um, my, uh, we call him a brother visitor. Some call it provincial superior. Um, I like, we have a very, very uh, relational word. Our, yeah. our superior is just someone who comes and visits you. Your boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. And so he, um, we, were, we were sitting um, you know, in a setting like this in a, in a cafe, and, and he says, um, I got a crazy idea, Dylan. How about, you know, they haven't had, uh, they need a principal out in, uh, out in Montana. And, you know, I would have expect a year before I might have expected my heart to sink and my, you know, stomach to do uh, backflips. And uh, without knowing really what that meant or what was expected of me or anything, that doesn't sound that crazy. 
Um, and so obviously it took some time. So to, obviously to there decide. were seeds that had been planted that had started to germinate. Exactly. Exactly. Now, yeah, so then there's, that's the, the professional side of it that I was interested in. Um, but while I was in, um, in uh, Tulsa working in middle school, um, I had the opportunity to sort of practice some middle school administration where there's some, some needs that, um, that popped up and, and I was able to fill in. Um, so there's some of that as well as uh, being in a place uh, that school was um, was entirely um, ministering to Hispanic uh, students. So let's, let's, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you find yourself here in this school, and really what I think people who are listening right now are going like, okay, I get it, you got there, mm-hmm. that's all interesting. But what's most interesting is like, what is it like? Because we yeah. don't have a ready uh, example of what it's like to be on an Indian reservation, mm-hmm. and you're saying that's a yeah, good point. Is it a Hispanic culture? No, no, so, with, sorry. So the um, are, they, are the, they steeped in indigenous culture and Blackfeet culture? Relatively, the um, yeah. So this, in, I think, a lot of our experience is more in southwestern right. uh, indigenous culture, which is more more Hispanic. You know, we're um, 20 minutes from the Canadian border. Yeah. So. Um, you know, our kids are very Canadian in their uh, interesting. In their, their I don't even know way. what that means, though, because yeah, you know enough. that's far from it's, me as well. It's cowboy culture. I okay. mean, Al- um, Alberta is the I think the Texas of, of Canada. Is it um, uh, in the predominant language on the reservation? So um, w- there's a lot of work being done, and we're currently do, uh, doing to reclaim um, the Blackfeet language. Um, but there are very few fluent speakers. Okay, um, so English is predominant. Um, although um, in education terms, uh, not a lot of academic English being spoken, so it's all very um, interesting. So, the liter- but the then I would imagine there there are going to be there are going to be some uh, some cultural words mm-hmm. like that yeah. that they would bring in. Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, so the word for the word for hello in uh, in Blackfeet is okey. Okay. Um, so you see a okay. lot. Okey. Um, so exactly. So then you get that a bit um, for you know just uh, general um, greetings and and some of those things. But you so few people unfortunately um, speak the language that is not not incorporated very well. But culturally, there's a lot of um, a lot of things that are. Um, that sort of work in, but it, it's just, I mean, it's very rural um, and very you know, cowboy culture. So, so, so a lot do of rodeos and powwows and is and part of what you of do. To, are, are you are you guys uh, as Christian brothers? Is one of your side gigs, charisms, missions there? Mm-hmm. Is it to help them rebuild and reclaim their culture and? Not explicitly, but it is more part of the the, the mission of the school, um, and and so we do have a we have a full time uh, Native Studies coordinator who's okay. working on on that kind of outreach and, and building programs, and that's you know it's a lot of general missionary kinds of stuff, building relationships with with elders um, to to understand the uh, the culture, and this is definitely a challenge to be in some ways to help to impart. Um, cultural knowledge that you're not a part of, you know. So I have a lot of experience with doing that with Catholicism with people who maybe aren't as interested, right? But, but some it's the opposite uh, with some of this stuff where they're very interested, but I don't know a lot about. I'm not an expert, um, and so I think that's a really beautiful experience, actually, of of being uh, certainly being among the minority in an area yeah 
Um, well, this is where you see education as an exchange, exactly. Right versus uh, like a top-down kind of we're going to we're we're implanting mm-hmm. knowledge upon you, but there's more uh, of an exchange of things. That's uh, right, and that happens in the world everywhere. And you know, it's it's all about what you're talking about community and relationship. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So building that, and, and you're right. The the exchange. Um, our native studies coordinator uh, talks a lot about. Um, about things being reciprocal, um, and so being explicit about how the, this relationship is reciprocal between the church and the tribe, and and how we are uh, working together for the betterment of, of our young people. Yeah, speaking um, of the young people, tell me about the kids. Oh my I mean, god, what is that? What is that like? Um, well, they're wonderful, um, and I yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm picturing lots of kids, and it's all just washing over me. Um, so um, the, I would say. I mean, it's diff- It's challenging. Um, mostly, in my case, I would say um, the the working in a rural school. Um, it's hard to find opportunities for. Right. Um, you know, it's not like even even in like inner city education, you can go to a museum, take them to a museum, or um, different things like that. So, in a rural place um, where we'd have to drive a whole day to get to right. something like that. Um, it's hard to provide some of those opportunities, um, which is is a distinct challenge for us. Um, and so the resources, um, and even even among other uh, some other indigenous schools, um, we're not near a bigger city that might have the the resources to support or to donate. Um, so um, we're not next to next to a large uh, metropolitan area. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of great programming that we do. One thing I, I, I definitely have to mention that I think is an amazing uh, part of our ministry is what we call um, the uh, our immersion program. So we invite um, high school and college students from around the country. We host about 30, uh, 30 or so groups um, that come in and and stay with us in our community. Uh, live with us, pray with us, eat with us, um, and and then also are uh, working with our students, learning about have uh, speakers and and readings and things to learn about indigenous issues and all these things. So uh, we're able to bring people in, and then they're able to take that message out. So um, yes, you're right. Uh, big problem with with what we're talking about is people don't know, um, and a big part of our ministry is helping people know. Well, you know, we we should speaking of that, we should bring up the uh, website for mm-hmm. your school to help people who are interested and want to help. I know, I imagine that you guys probably could use some help, especially financially, but definitely uh, prayerfully. Uh, and if they go to there's a website you have, it's dlsbs.org. So De La Salle Blackfeet School dot org, or uh, as Sam pointed out in the last episode, if you just Google Blackfeet School. Mm-hmm. This this place is going. It's going to be like the first hit. That's right. First hit, yeah. Blackfeet School, and you'll be able to to be able to find out more about what you guys do there, the Definitely. important work that you're doing there, uh, and then to be able to help financially support that. Because again, I, until Sam had told me that he'd run into you and he knew you, and it's like this might be an interesting topic. I'd never even heard of this. Mm-hmm. I knew these kinds of things happened in some places, but I was it was remote to me. Mm-hmm. But now to hear this and to, and I would imagine that you on a daily basis experience like something in these kids' eyes that tell you that you're doing mm-hmm. not specifically you, but that the that the work, the charism, the work, the order is doing something good here. Yeah, um, I mean, in a place that has a lot of of historical and even some ongoing uh, trauma related to um, to psychological issues and and um, and chemical issues, um, I. 
they feel safe with us. They talk about a lot. They feel good. They feel happy. They feel safe um, to to be kids, to know who they are, and uh, and to learn and to grow. Um, and I think that's that's huge. Um, and we're also doing, you know, that the social emotional part. I think is an important part of Catholic education. Yeah. Uh, we're also uh, providing quality education. Um, we have programs that are helping to get students uh, up to speed um, in their in math and reading. I'm really excited about a new initiative um, that we started last year um, called the uh, Little Flower Academy. Our, our parish is uh, is the Therese of Lisieux. Okay. Um, but focusing on her little way, we're teaching our, our fourth and fifth graders in a combined classroom in a sort of um, Montessori style to explore and learn and, and getting them um, ready and excited for their middle school education. Um, by teaching them how to to be self-driven, self-motivated in a place that um, that has that I mean, often is challenged with that and has very um, some challenging uh, education outcomes. Um, where and I think that just goes to show how caring about people, focusing on them, putting um, and not necessarily certainly we would appreciate um, some additional resources. Um, but just putting putting your attention um, on on people and caring about them makes a huge difference to, uh, I, to the I, I would also I guess I would just ratify based on what you're telling me uh, you know you, you're in a place where I think lack of opportunity is it's fair to say mm-hmm, right definitely. and there's lots of as you've said trauma but lots of challenges to that opportunity and the reality is what you guys are doing is providing um, in essence hope for some mm-hmm. of these kids yes. uh, and so uh, this is that you're you're truly this is the the work of the lord here thank you and so anybody that can uh then that can help especially with your prayers yes, uh but yes. if you want to find out more uh dlsbs.org or blackfeet school mm-hmm. just google that and you'll find out more about what uh brother dylan perry is doing there along with uh are there other brothers present uh, uh, in that area or are you no right now uh now community as we talk about a lot about relationship community is an essential part of of who we are and so the president of the school uh, as well brother dale mooney who was recently spotlighted he was a lumen christi uh, right. nominee uh for um uh, catholic extension um so and brother jim kraus who longtime missionary so great work being you got done. a little mini and, community and, there exactly some great support happening. but you guys are doing some incredible work and i think that's it's quite beautiful and uh we'll continue to pray for you mm-hmm. uh brother dylan we really appreciate the fact that you take the time to come and visit us here really uh at the catholic cafe to help us to see uh exactly what you guys are doing out there and just invite people to uh prayerfully support you uh financially if you can but just to uh, if you're interested in the Christian Brothers, um, brothersvocation.org. Uh, but anyway, uh, Brother Dylan, thank you so much for joining us here in the Catholic Cafe. Thanks so much for having me. Let's ask the Blessed Virgin to watch over that school and those, those peoples. Mm-hmm. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our, our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.